I've been having a little fun this morning uh, during the uh, worship services and sharing with the, uh, the first two services. I don't want you to feel left out of my stories because I know that would sadden you greatly. But uh, I, uh, I did something this morning I'd never done before. I, uh, when I got up and I went through my normal Sunday morning routine, got up, had a cup of coffee, was doing my, my preparation, but I was, just didn't feel like I was quite as awake as I wanted to be. So before I came up to church, before the first service, I took a caffeine pill that I keep. And I keep them because I use them before I exercise sometimes, just for a little extra energy. Well, let's just say the caffeine pill coupled with the coffee I'd already had was more than a little extra energy. I was bouncing so hard before the 815 service, I could see colors. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, I could hear colors. I got that wrong. I could hear colors. I mean, it was, it was just, uh, it, was, it was crazy. And I mean, in the first service, I was, I, I've never had to fight standing still as much as I was. Because I'm like, I'm just going to be all over the stage. It's worn off now, so you're good. I might take a nap in the middle of the sermon right now, coming off of it. But, uh, but I won't do that again. I said, you learn from the things uh, Dad used to tell me, he's always in, you know, learn, you can learn from everybody. Sometimes you learn the things you should do. Sometimes you learn the things you shouldn't do. Well, that's one of those you shouldn't do right there. So, uh, so it's, been, it's been fun, and it's been a little bit interesting with that. I won't make that mistake again. Now, we, uh, as we kind of shift our attention this morning, I was, came across a, one of those news shows. It was one of those cable channels. I don't even know what channel I was on. But it was, uh, it was where they have a couple people debate some kind of issue. And uh, on this particular show or this particular moment that I just happened to catch, they had a, and, and why I stopped is they had a, a pretty prominent Christian pastor whose name I recognized who was there. And he was, he was debating with a, a person who described herself as a, as a human sec- secularist. Uh, and they were debating, and when I say debate, it was very civil, because I don't like the shows where they just yell at each other and they talk over each other. They were having a civil discussion, but it was about the, the nature of faith in the United States. And really, the, the crux of the, the discussion, if you will, was whether or not we are seeing a decline in people's faith preferences, their declared faith, or whether we're actually not seeing a decline in people of faith, but we're seeing a decline in people of faith who are actually involved in a church. So, so the, the, the point that one of the pastors, or the pastor, was making is that it's not that people as a percentage, as a whole, believe a whole lot differently or declare their faith differently than they have in generations past, but that we see more and more people who claim Christian faith who are not connected to a Christian community, or as it's often said, um, I, I'm not involved in organized religion. And, and that was an interesting, and I don't have data, I'm not here to debate who's right and wrong, I, I haven't studied it that in depth, but it was an interesting um, spark, if you will, of thought for me, because that is something that I've seen more frequently, or at least been more attentive to. Maybe it's no more frequently than it's ever been, but I've been more attentive. And it's, it's this term that, that I and others have used, and that is people that are disconnected. We often think about our mission field as Christians. If, if you're a follower of Jesus, that Jesus calls us to 
share the faith with those who don't have faith, who don't believe, to share the gospel of Jesus um, with those who have not ever made a commitment to Christ. And that is absolutely who we're called to share the faith with. But there is this emerging mission field, I think, for the church. And that is not the people who are unconnected from faith, not people who have never come to faith, but actually people who do have faith but are disconnected from the church or disconnected from a community of believers. And, and there is this, this growing um, sentiment that, that I can be a Christian, but I don't necessarily have to be involved in church. Now, we're going to start with that. We've got to own that. We have to own the fact that as people who are in the church, we've done that sometimes. We're responsible. I had a seminary professor by the name of Dr. Thomas Langford who used to challenge us and say that we have to remember that there are some people who are not Christians because of the people who are Christians. Right? And, and that ought to kick us in the pants a little bit. So, so this is not heaping criticism on anyone else or, or judging anyone else. It's just saying we have to be reflective and we have to, to kind of self-evaluate and self-examine. But it is to say that I do think we also need to challenge a notion, not necessarily in others, just an intellectual reflection. I'm not about, don't take, you know, I never want you to take a message idea and then go find somebody to beat them over the head with it. Uh, but, but this notion, we need to think deeply about this idea that we can be a, a Christian, a follower of Jesus, and not be connected to a community of followers of Jesus. And so, so that's what I want to turn to and, and kind of listen to Jesus again and, and think a little bit deeper about today. And to do that, we're going to look at the Gospel of John. Part of Jesus' farewell discourse, his words that he speaks between the Last Supper with his disciples and his arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane. There's, there's uh, three or four chapters in the Gospel of John that just cover what Jesus did in those hours in between those things. And John chapter 15 is part of that time in between, Last Supper and arrest. And Jesus is, is doing a lot of teaching here. In fact, as I've said, you know, you can always tell that if you have a red letter version of the Bible where the words of Jesus are in red, it's all red. Everything here is red because it's what Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And this is what he says in John 15, beginning at verse 1. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Friends, sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Lord, that that would be our heart's cry today, that we would by our lives and by our faith show ourselves to be your disciples. 
And so challenge us in these moments. Speak to us in these moments. Shape us in these moments. And may all that we do here glorify you and prepare us to be the instruments and to bear the fruit that you've called us to produce. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. So let's start with this simple premise. And that is that that we are not created to be disconnected from other people. Or to put it in a positive affirmation, we are created to be in a connected community with others. By our nature, we need other people. I said, I've never met anybody in their life who said, I don't need anybody. I've never met anybody who said, I don't need to, to have a relation. I want to live in complete isolation. Uh, the irony is, if somebody did want to live in complete isolation, I probably would not have met them, so maybe they're out there. <laughs> but, but the point is, there may be difference. There are some people, you might be the kind of person, like you just need a couple, a couple connections, and you might be the kind of person that needs hundreds of connections, you know, introvert, extrovert, personality types. I get it's different. But by our very nature, we're created in the image of God. We talked about this a few weeks ago, and we talked about the Trinity and the fact that God, by God's nature, is communal. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We, in created in the image of God, are communal. So we need other people. And so we look for places in our lives to find meaningful connections. And we do it in any number of ways. We do it in social groups. We do it according to talents or affinity or, or interests. And if you just sit and look around and start thinking about it, you see the evidence of people and connections. When you're out sometimes around town and you see the ladies in the red hats, right? The red hat ladies, is that, is that what you call them? Is that what it's called? Red hat society, thank you. I, I've been afraid I've been getting that wrong all morning. But, but that's a connection. That's, a, that's something that's worn that is meant to be a visible sign that I'm a part of a community. I'm a part of a group. Last night, Tony and Cassidy and I went to the Bradenton Marauders game, the, the minor league baseball team. And you just sit and watch. You see the evidence of communities within its big community. Most obvious, it's the players on the field. They're in uniform. You know who plays for Bradenton. You know who plays for the um, uh, Lakeland Flying Tigers. They were the, I was baffled by that. I said, what's a flying tiger? I, I learned. You ask things. I learned after this. It was... Um, uh, part of a military force, World War II maybe, or somebody, Vietnam, Vietnam, Vietnam. okay, thank you, Vietnam, I, they, you know, he said military, and then I didn't remember the, the details, so that was great, I see, sometimes I throw things out, and I end up getting educated because of it, so, um, so we were at the game, and so you can tell who the marauders are, and who the, the flying tigers were, and you could look in the stands, and you could tell often who the marauder fans were, because they had the hats, or the shirts, and who the tiger fans were, because they had the similar gear. And so you root for those who you find an affinity to. I, I laughed. I said, it's minor league baseball. Both teams could have gone under the dugout, under the bleachers between, serv- between games or before the game, changed uniforms and come out and we'd have still rooted for the same colors. You know, We're not rooting for the players. We're rooting for the colors because they represent our community. So, but, but it wasn't just that. When we were pulling in, we saw all, there was scout night at the field. And in fact, our Cub Scout group, Pack 146, was there. They actually were um, uh, the, the honor guard, the color guard for the game. 
And they were there, and a lot of scouts were there from around the community. And you could pick the scouts out. They had their shirts on that identified them as, as Cub Scouts. And the adult leaders that were there often in their, their Cub Scout gear. So, so again, you can start to see the, the Lakeland, I'm sorry, Lakeland, the Lakewood Ranch High School Band was there. They had their shirts on. I mean, you get the point. The fact is that, that you start to see how people identify in communities. This has been fun this past week. Uh, has been the, I don't know, they call it the National uh, Declare, Declaration Day when the kids have to have decided if they're going to college what school they're going to. And so you start to see the kids wearing, if they hadn't already chosen, the, the colors and the names of their schools because it's now a community that they identify with. I mean, there's any number of examples that we could give. We could be here all day just talking about the way that that gets lived out in our lives. But what I think Jesus wants us to know what Jesus would say to us is that all of these are good. These are important. These connections are valuable. But there is none deeper. There is none more meaningful. There is none more important in our lives than the connection we have with other people through the presence of God, through the Holy Spirit. There is nothing more valuable than the connection we have as brothers and sisters in Christ. The connection that we have through faith. And it transcends all others. It is more valuable than others. And it breaks down walls that often separate us in community. It, it is greater than those things. And, and this is the example I, I give. I have sat, and maybe some of you have sat in worship services with other Christians in other parts of the world, or maybe in this part of the world, worshiping in a language you didn't understand and still worshiping together and, and enjoying the fellowship together. I have, and as I've shared over the years, I've, I've sat in worship in Kenya, worship in Swahili, and I didn't understand a word of it, and I worshiped. And I've sat in, in worship in China, and in, in Mandarin, in a language I don't speak, and I've worshiped. And South Korea, and, and, and Spanish services, and things that weren't language I know, but felt a connection to the brothers and sisters who worship there because worship God transcends our divisions, the, the things that, that kind of separate us. And not that they're bad things, but, but it's, it's greater than. And that's what Jesus invites us into, this relationship that is, that is greater than. And to do that, he uses an image that is very familiar, that would, that would connect with his disciples. He uses this image of the vine and the branches. He uses an image of a vineyard. It's an agricultural society. It's probable that some of the disciples themselves had worked in vineyards in their lifetime. At the very least, in their travels, they would see vineyards all over the place. It was essential to the economy of the nation. They had just had supper together. They had drank from the cup of the fruit of the vine. So Jesus is using something that they're going to connect to. They're going to get and a vineyard was symbolic, not just in practical reasons, in spiritual reasons. It represented the people of God. It, it was a symbol that was used during the, the, the Maccabean period of Jewish history on coins, the vine and the branches. And the prophets had used the vineyard as, as a metaphor for God's people. Most often, though, when they did that, it was in words of judgment. Isaiah says that, that you are a, a vineyard that is, has run amok. And, and Jeremiah calls it a degenerate vineyard. That you are a choice vineyard planted for God's purpose. That In Jeremiah 2 he says you become a degenerate vineyard. And, and um, 
Hosea says we've become an empty vineyard. And the point is that we're not living into the purpose which God has created us, but the vineyard represented the people. And so when Jesus does this, when he talks about, I am the vine, you are the branches, he puts a new, he repurposes this understanding of vineyard. And he makes a declaration about who he is. He is saying, I am the one that you are connected to. It is a messianic declaration. I am the one that has been promised. I am the one that you have waited for. When you want to connect to the Father, you connect through me. I am the, the revelation of, of who God is. And it's the kind of statement that often gets him in trouble. In, in Luke chapter 4, the beginning of his ministry, Jesus uh, is in worship in Nazareth, in his hometown. And if you remember that story, he reads from the prophet Isaiah. And it's a prophecy of the coming of the Messiah. And when it's over, Jesus basically says, by the way, this is being fulfilled right now in your presence. Jesus is saying, I'm the one this is talking about. And if you remember that story, the next thing they wanted to do was throw him off a cliff. Because of, of, of what they saw as blasphemy. And Jesus is, is making this statement as he has frequently. But to his disciples, he is saying... Connect to me. I become the embodiment of what God has created you to be or the potential of what you can be through me. Be connected to me. And he uses this image because a vineyard is, is pregnant with meaning for the audience. They get it. They understand. They can put these pieces together and catch the invitation that Jesus is offering to them. Now, for most of us, we're not necessarily agricultural. Some of you may be. Some of you are. Um, I, I'm not. And, and some of you probably like me. We say our house is where plants go to die um, because we just don't have that, that, that gift. And, and, so, so, and so I started to think, how would Jesus maybe use, this, use a metaphor that would be more universal to us? And, and I, thought about, I thought about this. I grabbed, I grabbed this out of our kitchen. It's a, um, it's a can opener. Now, the significance of a can opener is, that's not why I grabbed it. I grabbed it because it's easy, it's light, and I knew I wouldn't get in trouble for taking it out of the kitchen. Um, but um, just for the sake of the, the point, if you didn't have a can opener at your house, and, uh, and I said, would you like a can opener? I'd like to give this to you. You might be interested. Or if I said, well, who wants this can opener? You might say, yeah, I'll take it. I mean, it's actually a nice, nice can opener. It's very fancy because we're high-tech people at my house. And because, um, you know, just manual can openers, they, you just can't do that. You have to have an electric one. Um, but you might be interested, maybe. I don't know. But if I said, well, I'd like to give this to you, but the power cord does not work. Just so you know, this, this doesn't work. It has no ability to conduct electricity. Um, you would probably go, no thanks. No thanks. Because without the electricity, this is useless. It's absolutely, you can't even manually use it. It is absolutely useless without electricity. And I started to think about that. Much of our world and, and what we use is dependent upon electricity. So maybe what Jesus would say to us is, you're the appliance. You're the instrument. I'm the electricity. I'm source of power. And those who have no ability to conduct the electricity are discarded. But those who can are cleaned up, 
spoiled and put to useful work. I am the source of power. That's what Jesus invites us into. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus, it's this abiding. In fact, that's the language. It wasn't in the, 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 the version I read from this morning, but, but if you've grown up uh, hearing this verse a lot in your childhood or adulthood, the, the, the language you often hear is abide. It's not a word that we use very often anymore, but abide in me as I abide in you. And that's the interesting thing about the word. It means a mutual indwelling. It means that Jesus is inviting us into a relationship with him, but he's also saying to us, I want to be at work in you. And that's the part that sometimes, if we're honest, kind of makes us a little uncomfortable because I know me, and there's parts of me I'd rather not anybody see. There's parts of me that I'm not sure Jesus, I know Jesus isn't overly thrilled with, and yet he still says, I want to be a part of your life. I want to be a part of you, not to, to simply leave us where we are, but to be the work of transforming to who we can be. So this abide, it's a relationship. It's connection. So Jesus invites us into this. But, but here's the other thing I want you to hear. That he says something that, that's interesting. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Not I am the vine and you are the branch. You are the branches. There's an intentional plurality here. And that is that you are connected to me. But here's the other thing. You're connected to each other as well. You, you connect to me because I become the source of your strength. In that connection, we find hope. We find purpose. I, I read a, a, a short biography, um, synopsis, of a, of a Navy veteran by the name of Gerald Coffey. I don't know if that name's familiar to you. But in 1966, he was shot down in Vietnam. He spent seven years as a prisoner of war in a three-by-three three cell. Seven years in torture that most of us cannot begin to comprehend. And he writes about how he survived. And he did a lot of things. He continued to exercise. He, I don't know how he'd know, but he estimated that he walked three miles a day, three steps at a time. Three steps this way, three steps, just to keep his body going. He learned French. He memorized Shakespeare. He did anything to keep his brain sharp. He wrote poetry, even silly, funny poetry, just to hold on to a sense of humor. One of the ones he talked about was this little poem that he wrote. He was eating one day, and he looked down, and he said, Little bow weevil in my bread, I think I just bit off your head. Um, and, and he said, just for a moment of levity in a situation that wasn't funny at all, and not to make light of it, but, but to keep his sanity. But he said the most important connection that he maintained was connection to God through his faith in Jesus. And he said, because of that, I knew I was never really alone. And I could face that next day and that next moment, and I could continue to have hope that someday I was going to get out of here, of course, which he did in 1973. But, the, but that line, I was, I was never really alone because he stayed connected. Now, that's important for us in that relation with Jesus. But then it also reminds us, the branches, that we're connected to each other. We are in a relationship with each other. We're in a community with each other. We're not meant to do Christianity by ourselves. That's what John Wesley's, one of his famous quotes is, the New Testament knows nothing of solitary religion. Because when Jesus started his ministry, he called a community of people. He didn't call a disciple. He called 12. 
And there were the women. And there were others that were part of this community. And when the church was born on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 came to faith. And it says that they met together at homes. They worshiped together. They broke bread together. They served together. They did life together. Because the reality is, we need each other. We need each other. James Mitchum, the, the, the author who passed away in the, the late 90s, he, he never knew his mom. He, he was raised in an orphanage by a woman who took in uh, children, didn't know anything about his story, if you will, and his lineage and, and his, you know, the specifics of his, his ethnicity. And so he, he said once, he said, anytime I meet people, I try to be polite and kind because I never know who are my people. So I try to be nice to everybody, which is a good way to live, because I never know where my family is, who my family are. I don't know my people. Well, here's what Jesus says to us. In me, look around. In Christ, look around. When I look at you, you're my people. When you look at me, I'm your people. That can be good or bad, depending on the day, but we're in this together because we need each other. Because we need each other. So, connection to God, connection to each other. Why? And this is the last point I want you to, 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 to just take with you. Because we're connected so that we will be productive. Jesus says, bear fruit. In fact, he gives a word of warning. He says, if you don't bear fruit, you're cut off and you're cast aside. Your purpose in connectivity is so that you'll be productive. You'll bear fruit. You'll do the things that I've called you to do. You'll live the love that I've shown you. You'll share the good news of the gospel that I've proclaimed to you. You'll tell my story. You'll do what you've been created to do. If you went back to this kind of silly little example with a can opener. Well, let's just say I plugged it in and I pushed it down and it spun and it did everything it was supposed to do. But then I told you, but oh, by the way, it doesn't have any blade. It can't cut anything. Well, then it sounds good and it looks good and it has no purpose. Because it can't do what it was created to do. It, it can produce no fruit. Well, Jesus says we're to produce fruit. We are called to, to you know, we can, we can describe it in any number of ways to, to have an impact, to, to make a difference. But, but that's, that's our story. That's our, our call. So we need to be connected. We don't do this alone. We don't live this. We need to be connected to others because when we do, it multiplies our fruit. Having a grape, nobody goes to the store and buys a grape. You buy a bunch of them, right? We, we, they're better in bunches. We're, when we're faithful, we're better in bunches because our impact is multiplied. Those who work here at the church or some of our volunteers that come in, some of you know, uh, one of the quirky things about this room right here is that it's built backwards. And when I say it's built backwards, uh, and what I mean by that is that most of the time when we come in from the office or we come into the building, we come in through this door. Because A, it's closest to where we often park. B, it's one of the doors that is, has an alarm pad so you won't get the cops sent. You know, this is the door we come in. But here's the tricky part. If you come in at night, if you come in when it's dark, we come in this door, the light switch is over there. So it's not a problem during the day, but if you come in at 9 p.m., you come in at 11 p.m., or every once in a while I'll get an alarm code and I'll be here at 2 a.m., you know, it's, yeah, that's not fun, me and my bat. Um, come in, that's a whole different story. Um, 
So you have to get from there to there. So most of the time what, what I do is I just grab my phone and use the flashlight. So you come in, when this room's dark and you just have a phone, phone flashlight, you get enough illumination to make it. And it, gives, it does the job. You know, there's a little bit of light. You know how that looks. But when you get over here and you flip the switch, the room lights up. Why? Because what is emitted from one bulb becomes multiplied by however many lights are in this room. And the darkness is chased away. One light is good. One light is, is fruitful. It's productive. But many lights, much better. Now, you can apply that in any way you want to, but you know the gist. One, yeah, we can be fruitful and productive. God can use us for wonderful things. But together, God can use us for so much more. And we have those stories. And we can tell those stories. And we can testify to that work. Connected and productive. We often think about the need to be connected. But Jesus invites us to be connected so we can bear fruit. So the question I leave you with, the internal reflection this morning, is are you connected through, through faith? This is a place of connection. Small groups are a place of connection. Thrift stores are a place of connection. Pantry work is a place. Of, I mean, there's just so many ways we are connected. But are you connected to Christ and to others? And then this. Are you fruitful? Are you and I together, are we, are we making a difference? That's the invitation. Be connected. Be productive. Amen? Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we, uh, we just open our hearts to you, and we invite you to challenge us. We invite you to, to help us to see honestly our faithfulness and being connected to you and to each other and, and to being fruitful to the work that which you've called us. And uh, I, we all have room for growth. Lord, help us to grow. Help us to be better as we grow in Christ and, and grow in community. This is our prayer, and we ask it in your holy name. Amen.